Do you want children? Of course you do. Reproduction licenses are easier than ever to acquire. When Calvin and I decided it was time to have our baby, I was nervous. I had heard a lot of stories from my girlfriends about how hard it was to get legal. But things have changed. The process is so quick and easy now. After I filed my application, took my competence exam, and had my vetting, I received my pregnancy approval in just three short years. Now we have little Eloise. Say hi, honey. Isn't she beautiful? Apply for pregnancy approval today and get legal. Neon Sun, Episode 11, in which an exodus will rise. gravitational centrifuge that is the heart of Eternia. Spinning hoops inside spinning hoops, spinning so fast the whole thing appears as a massive throbbing ball, a miniature star, 50 yards in diameter. It is here we join the owner of Eternia, Boss Julius Cavanaugh. Although he is without doubt the most powerful man in the human race, here he looks small and frail next to the massive centrifuge. He looks over his shoulder nervously, and an uncharacteristic bead of sweat trickles down his forehead. Mr. Shroud? Mr. Shroud? Are you here? Hello, Mr. Kavanaugh. Ah! I do wish you wouldn't sneak up on me like that. And why did you arrange to meet me here? You can report to me at my office. There are eyes and ears everywhere, Mr. Kavanaugh. I prefer discretion. Well? What do you have to report, Mr. Shroud? I have discovered the source of your security leak. His name is Stanley Kapowski. What? Stanley? There must be some sort of mistake. He's my most loyal... Well, he designed Eternia for God's sakes. He's been aiding the rebels since the inception of their insurgents. Right under your nose. You should lose some weight, Mr. Kavanaugh. You've grown too fat to see your own shoes. What? How dare you insult me? Why? I'm going down to the surface now to find the girl and the brat. When I do... Don't terminate them, Shroud. I want them taken up here for questioning. As you wish. After that, you won't see me. Consider this my notice of resignation. But why? I know a sinking ship when I see one. Turn your eyes to the centrifuge, Mr. Kavanaugh. Witness real power. Why, I've never been so insulted since... Mr. Shroud? Dang We now drift upward, passing into the realm under the Crystal Dome, the Pyramid City of Eternia. Moving up one side of the city, we can see the ivory facades of the buildings and their garden rooftops, which form a massive green spiral staircase winding up the pyramid. At the top, there sits what is commonly referred to as the brick, 
a white cubic monolith about five stories high. The brick is the seat of Eternian power, and the central nervous system to the space station. Lana Savinsky is now standing on the rooftop of the brick, among the yew bushes and azaleas. When the crystal dome is in its evening transparent mode, as it is now, one can see out past the rim of the wagon wheel that is Eternia, and clear to the surface of Global One, the largest remaining shard of the shattered Earth. It is the home of what she and very few other Eternians know to be the largest slave colony in human history. Lament of the Neon Sun, an epic poem by Lana Savinsky, copyright 2061, all rights reserved. Verse 3 Strong Rope. When the floodwaters were sent by God, few survived. On grass and driftwood, a handful of people managed to live through the cataclysm. Even fewer managed to scratch out a meager sustenance from the carrion of the world. Scraps here of animal, there of vegetable, mineral over there. As time passed, the survivors managed to find each other. One by one, they tied their rafts and scraps and ropes together. Until finally, they had enough rafts and scraps and rope to constitute a little floating town of their own. They even named it Vlotila. They could rely on each other for survival. They had an identity. Small moments of joy began to fill the cracks in their misery. When Noah saw this from his crow's nest, he had no choice but to subjugate them. What if they were to sink his ship and pillage his contents? Then he had a thought. Why? He thought. Well, he and his son spending so much time and energy sailing, when he could have a whole army of people to do it for him. So, he tied the flotilla up to his ark with strong rope, and he ordered the flotillans to row without ceasing, on pain of death. While he and his sons lived days of leisure, and eventually forgot how to sail altogether. To this very day, the flotillans are paddling on with no sign of respite. But what Noah doesn't realize was the animals could see, and what God knows is this strong rope may bind, but it can also be climbed. Rooftop garden. Lana! Oh, how you go? What are you doing up here on the roof? It's, it's nearly midnight. I'm not sleepy. I like it up here. I like to look down on all the rooftop gardens and pretend I'm on top of a green mountain. It's silly, no? End recording. Not silly at all. What's the voice recorder for? Oh, uh, well... I have this long poem I'm working on, and I was just, uh, working on it. I didn't know you wrote poetry. He's a hobby. Probably no one will ever read it. Perhaps one day I will show you my models. Like, uh, little ships? Yeah, it's, it's mostly spaceships from old movies. Uh, the Enterprise, the Millennium Falcon, U612. Oh, sounds cool. Uh, I would like to see them sometime. So, Lana, I've been thinking about some of the things you said earlier. Oh. Yes. 
And? I was thinking that if we were to go down to Global One... Yes? Well, that maybe I could bring my atmosphere enhancers, and maybe you could bring down some of your super trees, and we could do some good work, together. Oh, you go! Lana, you never kissed me before. Well, you may have to get used to it. Assuming that means we're going. I'm already packed. So am I. Speech requested from Dr. Stanley Kapowski. Speech requested from Dr. Stanley Kapowski. Speech requested Are you going to get it? If I do, it means we can't leave until I do whatever it is he wants me to do. Then don't get it! Oh, Lana! Oh, Hugo! Hello, this is Hugo Jvietz. Please relay any pertinent information after the phonic prompt. Hugo? It's Doctor? It's Stanley. So, we just had a completely successful test of the assassin ship, and listen, I don't think I have to tell you that things are getting out of hand. If I were you, I'd start thinking exit strategy. Who knows? Maybe you and Lena. I don't know what I'm saying exactly, just thanks for everything, and I, I might not see you at the office on Monday. If you need to contact me, I'll be out on the 6th. Out on the sixth spoke of the Eternian Wagon Wheel, there are many brothels. One of them is called Sheila's. It is the home and workplace of an experienced concubine named Marlene Cordova. We join her now in her modest boudoir, preparing some of her delicates for laundering. Come in! Hey, Marlene. Hey, Candy. What's the ruckus? Can I talk to you for a second, Marl? Sure, honey. Have a seat on the bed. I'm just tidying up a little. So, what's on your mind? I'm late. Late for what, honey? Oh my god. You're late? What am I gonna do, Marl? God knows I ain't legal. What about your pills? Mayhap I forgot once or twice. Damn it, Candy. What have I told you about making them use profos? But sometimes they just ask so nice. Whose is it? Probably Bob Patel. But it could be Tom Bukowski or Phil Mathers. Damn it, Candy. Don't be sore, Mal. I'm scared gentless. What if they sent me away? Okay, honey. It's okay. Nobody's being sent away. Now, go to the bathroom and pee on this. What? What is that? It's a home pregnancy test. But ain't those illegal? A friend gave it to me for emergencies. Now, shut your soy hole and get peeing. Okay, Mal. Water closet. Come in. Stanley, you okay? I wasn't expecting you. Sorry about that. I had to talk to you. I... I had a bad day at work. Marlene? Who's that? That's my friend Candy. What, hon? What does it mean when it turns blue? 
We got a big problem. Can we get her out of here? Who could that be at this hour? Security, open this door. We're looking for one Stanley Kapowski. Stanley? I think it's time we all got out of here for good. Secret hatch. As Stanley and his friends sneak into an air vent, our heroes, Melvin, and a woman known only to her friends as Sarah, are clinging to the sides of a speeding freighter module, barreling down a giant pneumatic tube, traveling from the space station of Eternia down to the surface of Global One. Equalized. Welcome to Global One. All right, men, you know what to do. Search the surrounding areas and report back to base camp. Remember, the rebels are using tunnels. Find them. Rendezvous at 0100 hours. Move out. Field Marshal John Hawkeye requesting speech with Julius Cavanaugh. John, hello. So nice to hear from you. Reporting as instructed, sir. We have arrived on surface and a recon mission is underway. You boys are working late. It's nearly midnight. I'm simply executing your orders as I see fit, sir. Besides, base camp is still under assembly. You've always been like a son to me. You know that, don't you, John? I've often wished it. That you could replace that wet rag, Barry. That boy's about as useful as a hanky on a wet nap. Sir? I'm a little drunk, John. Forgive me. Now I want you to get a move on and wipe out those gorillas so you can come on home. Frankly, your replacement gives me the heebie-jeebies. Shroud? Watch out for him, boss. That man's got scorpions in his eyes. How poetic. There may be hope for you yet, John, my boy. I'll be eagerly awaiting your next report. Finish this, John. Come on home. End of transmission. Melvin? Um, 1301? Well, I guess you can call me Sarah. Meet me at the back end of the train. I know an exit. As they emerge from under the flexible tunnel known as Tentacle 2, Melvin and Sarah are presented with a strange and disturbing scene. The dark and dusty streets, normally empty at this time, are littered with droves of terrified and confused people. Wide-eyed and trembling, they wander aimlessly through the ruins of what used to be Kansas City. Some sob uncontrollably, others shriek with primal horror. Here and there, Attorney and security agents struggle to wrangle these people into transports with limited success. Who are you? Where am I? Please, don't touch me! Take it easy, buddy. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna give you something to calm you down. No! Don't touch me! Get away! Quit struggling! Phil! Don't touch Damien, me! Damien! Please! Give me a hand over here! 
cold! What's the matter, Tommy? Can't handle it untethered all by yourself? Shut up and give me a hand. No! 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 What's wrong with all these people? I... I don't know. Is this because of the bomb we set off up there? I don't know. Well, are people down here normally like this? No, I don't know what's going on, alright? Now let's go and keep out of sight. As they slink through the ruined streets, Melvin absorbs sights he has never seen before. Everything is coated in a thick yellow dust. Melvin is familiar with the sort of dust that collects on furniture, mostly consisting of human skin cells, but this is new to him. He bends down and touches dirt for the first time in his life. No dawdling, Melvin. Keep up and keep your eyes open. Looking out around the starry horizon, Melvin observes six huge monolithic structures, shining in the darkness, rising out of the squat, broken buildings of the ruined city. He dares not ask his ornery and sometimes deadly companion what they are, but if he did, she would tell him that these are the factories and domiciles which comprise Site B, the largest of the three slave colonies on Global One. Through the wind and dust, the pair make their way to a ruined pet shop. Sarah leads them through the back door and into a darkened corner. She moves several bags of 60-year-old kitty litter, revealing a trap door. She opens it and disappears into the darkness. Curious and afraid, Melvin follows her down a long ladder into a vast tunnel deep beneath the former Kansas City streets. The tunnel stretches into the darkness farther than Melvin can see, several stories high and just as wide. In the dim illumination, Melvin can see a handful of shacks and shanties, haphazardly connected with a network of wooden walkways. Sarah leads the way to the largest of these structures and knocks on the door. What the heck? Oh, Sarah? Hello, Pigpen. Forrest. Nah, Sarah? Better get in here, Snake! Damn it, Pigpen, I was right in the middle. Sarah? Sarah? Hello, Snake. Where's the team? And who's this? Um... Episode 11 was written and produced by Ben Thirsty. Voices by Rachel Bell, Shelley Hamilton, Fred Potter, Peter DeZoza, Elise Renard, Dylan Latimer, Anne Beardson, Dylan Bean, Jason DeSeltier, and Ben Thirsty. Beyond Sun was developed from a concept by Julian Rowe. Tune in for episode 12, in which we will be entertained.